Father, we thank you for everything that you do, how you bless us so much, how you have done incredible things just to make sure we know that we are loved. Father, help us to communicate that to others. Help us not to take that lightly. And Lord, may it affect us. May it move us. May you enable us along with that. And we know you are able to enable us to be your witnesses and to do whatever task you have before us. So Lord, as we kind of review uh, what we did uh, going over to Cambodia with the entire team, we had asked that you would bless the information that is disseminated here, that you would bring to mind things that should be asked and can be asked. And Lord, with your help, we will glorify you today by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So, where'd we go? We went to Cambodia. Now, if you don't know where Cambodia is, we are going to show you where Cambodia is. First of all, the flight going over, total time with the stopover, the layover takes about 25 hours. So, if you want to show the first one, Daryl. Now, you can see where the United States is on your left up there, and you can see where Cambodia is. In order for us to get there, we go up to L.A., and from L.A., we fly over the Aleutian chain of the Alaskan islands that are up there, and we come down skirting Russia and come down over Japan and into Korea with air, um, avian, what's the name of the airline? Asiana, thank you. Asiana Air, we land in Korea. If we take Eva Air, we would land in Taipei. Uh, and so that's Cambodia. The second picture, to kind of bring it in a little bit, it's right below China. On the right-hand side, the little country there is Vietnam. But above that, uh, if you're looking above the blot right there, it's Laos, and to the left is Thailand. Okay, uh, let's bring in another one. Specifically, this is Cambodia, and we went to this province. It's like a state. It's called the Persat province, and we stayed in the city of Persat. Now, this next map is a little bit harder to see. Uh, if you look at Phnom Penh, the red dot on the bottom with the jet that's there, that's where we landed, and we drove up through Yudong and Kampong Chenang to Persat. The next group that is going in June is going to go up to Batabang, right there. So that's a little farther. And our trip took us five and a half hours by van, and both vans were filled. Uh, and you can imagine the driving conditions. I'll talk about that in a little bit. Angkor Wat, if uh, you don't know what that is, that is the temple, the ancient temple that is up there. It's very popular. People go and visit that from all over the world just to see it. Okay, so that's where we went, was over to Cambodia. Now, if we could turn the lights back up just for a moment. I want to give you a flavor for the trip and also allow you to ask questions. I'm going to go through a little bit of a message here, kind of describing what's going on, why we did it, because we want everything based biblically. We don't want to do anything that we just concoct in our own minds. We want to do what the Lord would have us do. And there will be a time where you can ask some questions. I'm going to bring Eric up here, and we'll both sit here, and I'm going to 
ask Eric some questions and, and we'll kind of go back and forth. But if you have questions along the way, you are free to ask them as well. As I said, the travel time going over there was 25 to 26 hours. The travel time coming back was 28 to 29 hours. We had a seven-hour layover in uh, Korea. And I want to tell you, I've mentioned this before, the airport in Korea, it makes us look so sad here in our airports. When we got to LAX coming back and we had to walk through LAX, I turned to Eric and I made a comment and he said, I was thinking the exact same thing. And it was just how dirty and run down and the people, you know, were just kind of frumpy. And and you go over to uh, Korea over there, South Korea, and everybody is dressed to the hilt pretty much. All the airport workers and everybody and the travelers that are there. And uh, we spent for the time seven hours to stay in a lounge. And by the way, uh, where's Dustin? Dustin, I'm going to make sure you take the whole crew for seven hours. When you guys go, you go into that place, have a massage chair. I was in there for at least an hour, I think, you know, because I was falling asleep and there's all the food you can eat and it's just a good environment. So I wanted to let you guys know about that. Now, there are some truisms about Cambodia and you may have heard these from the last trip that I talked about, but a truism is something that's true basically for the whole country. Your horn is your turn indicator. Uh, you, you don't use the turn indicator. You honk when you're going to pass somebody. And if you are not passing someone on a two-lane road, you are not driving correctly. So everybody is honking and everybody is going around, especially big trucks that might be there. We actually saw one beer truck. The national beer there is Anchor Beer. And... The guy obviously went through the windshield because there was a big hole in the windshield. He must have hit somebody head on and they were taking all of their goods out of one semi and putting it into another. It was just mayhem and all the police were off to the side standing in the shade and they were having all the workers do everything else. Also, anything with a motor is allowed on the road. Anything. And so you are dodging everything. Mostly you have the trucks You do have some cars, especially in the rural areas. There's not as many. And then you have these things that are like rototillers, only they are beefed-up rototillers, and they will carry just about anything. When you guys go over there, you'll see them. It is expected uh, for a woman to dress in long sleeves, long pants, and they look like really nice pajamas. And sometimes they will have sweaters on top of that, and sometimes a hat, and sometimes gloves. And it can be 106 outside, and they are just sitting there like it is nothing. It's just everyday wear, and we were just sweating. Uh, One of the dentists that went along uh, on the inside of one of the buildings, she said, and she was a uh, dentist from Mexico, she said that the sweat would just roll down your back. And I looked at one of the doctors there. Her name is Dr. Joan. I went over to talk to her for a minute, and she's doing something around her little station there, and it's just dripping off of her nose and off of her ears. It was quite hot in some of the buildings we were in. Also, if the EPA, OSHA, and PETA visited they would have to have emergency medical attention because of the stress and shock uh, that would be witnessed over there. It is an environmental disaster. If you um, the sewage goes into the rivers, there's plastic bottles just floating in the canals that are over there. They build these five and six, six stories buildings with 
bamboo um, scaffolding on the outside. Uh, it's just incredible how they do everything over there. And PETA, uh, they raise dogs over there as one of their food sources. And so dogs are everywhere. Chickens are everywhere. Uh, white cows are everywhere. And water buffalo are everywhere. And you see them wherever you drive. And you, if you're not careful, you'll hit one on the road as uh, you go by. The mosquito is the national bird of prey over there. <coughs> and actually, this time of year, uh, there weren't that many mosquitoes. Two places, or one place that we went, it was Pastor Hung's church. They had piled up all the suitcases. We carry our stuff in suitcases. And we took them apart, and this swarm of mosquitoes came out. And so we had to spray that, evacuate, and we came back in. And then the bathroom at his particular place was the same thing. It was just swarming in there. you know. So uh, there are a lot of mosquitoes. Every meat that you eat contains bones, except for... The cow ball soup, and I'll let you think about what that is. Uh, when you when you take a shower, you must always breathe out. You know how you like to open your mouth and you know let the water go in. Don't do not do that, and do not stick your toothbrush underneath the water. You use bottled water to brush your teeth there. And when they say it'll be ten minutes, it's usually about forty-five plus. Uh, we had some experiences with that. Now, why Cambodia and why not here in just Lakeside? Why don't we just do everything in Lakeside instead of globetrotting somewhere else? It's a great question. And actually, I'd like you to have your Bible in hand. I'm going to go through a couple of scriptures here. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 28. This should be familiar to most all of you in here. It's this idea of making disciples, Matthew 28, verse 19. It says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And all nations would be different people groups, different ethnic groups, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And more specifically... Are we encouraged uh, to go to places like Cambodia? In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, I'd like you to turn over there. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This word was given to the disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and that's a reference to Pentecost, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. For our bearings... Uh, as far as the Bible is concerned, our Jerusalem is Lakeside. And once you go from Lakeside, you have Judea. Judea would be the surrounding areas. It would even be reaching out. For instance, we reach out with Christmas on the main. People from all over Lakeside, even Santee and maybe Alpine, and they come into this area. And so that's kind of our Judea, and that's what we do with the Christmas on the main. And then our Samaria, our Samaria would be beyond that. Or Samaria could be like um, uh, Operation Christmas Child. Or is that what it's called? No. Yeah, Operation Christmas Child. We're reaching beyond that. It, it can be local, but it's also international uh, that it can go. If there's something else going on locally here that we can be involved in, we'd like to do that. So that's our Samaria. It'd be San Diego in general. And then to the ends of the earth. That means the farthest point away 
is where we need to be going according to Scripture. And so that's why we don't remain in just one place. And if everybody has their Jerusalem and they're ministering to their Jerusalem, then every city gets covered because there's Christians in every single city and you go out to the ends of the earth so the entire earth gets covered. So our Jerusalem would be downtown Lakeside. We have services and teaching here. We have VBS. We have the Lakeside Help Center that we participate in helping. We reach out with the backpacks that we uh, give to Lakeside Farm Elementary School. And <coughs> excuse me. And then we also, you guys went to Lakeside, uh, another church for the uh, parent orientation? Lakeside Farms. Okay, and so we do that. We have men's, women's, and youth studies. We have Bible studies in homes, and we have movie nights. So that is our Jerusalem. Our Judea brings in people from all over Lakeside with the Christmas on the main. Samaria would even be Mexico and building down there and even seeing Cantin. We support Basilio Nunez. And then the ends of the earth, uh, we do the uh, Cambodia Medical Mission, the Operation Christmas Child, the missionaries in Croatia that we help, uh, Children of Hope and the House for Girls in Cambodia. And then we support Drew, and Drew goes to China, Cuba, Cambodia, Vietnam, parts of the Middle East, and Mexico. He goes all over. And so we want to fulfill what the Bible says here. We don't want to be static and just become ingrown. We want to be reaching out. And Paul also wanted to preach the gospel where no other people had heard it. In Romans 15, verse 20, he says, And it has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. And so some of the places we have gone previously and where we went on this trip, people that were given the gospel had never heard it before. They were unfamiliar. They may have heard the name of Jesus, but they had not heard what the gospel was. This is Pastor Drew's email that he sent out. He said, thank you for your prayers. We were back home while in Cambodia. We did seven clinics in as many villages treating nearly 700 people with close to 400 of them placing their faith in Jesus Christ. As previously stated, only a small percentage had ever heard about Jesus in one village, and it was only 1% that had ever heard anything about the gospel. So we are actually going where the gospel has never been preached. In Mexico, you have the opportunity, and we learned this from the Mexico Caravan Ministries when we go down there. People in Mexico have the opportunity to hear the gospel twice a day. In the United States, people living in the United States have the opportunity to hear the gospel once a day. And the 1040 window, which we just came from, people have the opportunity to hear the gospel once every hundred years. And so that is the mission field over there. It can be dangerous in some of those countries, but it's the place that I believe God has told us to go when it comes to the farthest or the ends of the earth. That's what we want to do. Now, what did we do when we were over there? We had a medical station, a dental station, a vision station, and a gospel station. We set up four stations. And today, uh, we're going to be meeting with those people who are going to the next trip. Not all of them, but just the ones from Lakeside and also from uh, uh, Jericho Road. Uh, We have somebody here from Jericho Road, and we're going to be going over there. Denise, are you here? Denise, there you are. Okay, she's going to be going. Um, I want you to make sure that you pray for Denise and Dustin and Megan and Steve and Nate. They are all going. Put them on your prayer list now. They are going to need the cover. And by the way, the first time we didn't have so much prayer cover, physically speaking, emotionally, spiritually, it was kind of a disaster. This time, it couldn't have been smoother. I mean, there there were some little things, little bumps in the road, but it was just fantastic. I think the worst part of the whole trip for me, and maybe for Eric, 
was the jet lag coming back. It was pretty severe this time. But uh, anyhow, because of the person, we actually felt them over there. It was just going great. So why the medical and why not just the gospel? Why don't we go over there and just give the gospel? Well, we need to bring physical help as well as spiritual help. Uh, specifically what we did in our church and how did we participate. Eric handled triage. Triage is where you take the information, the blood pressure, the temperature. You find out what is wrong. He also was a policeman uh, for a little while where you're directing everybody where they need to go. I handled the glasses, the vision glasses and the sunglasses. We both gave morning devotions. Uh, That's part of the requirement of going is you have to have a morning devotion. And I did a little bit of worship. Drew, you know, every once in a while he'll just go, okay, you're doing worship tomorrow and you're doing devotion. And you have to be ready, you know, to do that. And, of course, I volunteered Eric the first morning. He said, who wants to do devotions? I said, Eric does. And so (laughs) Eric got the first morning and then he volunteered me later for another one. So... Our church donated with the help. Uh, Les, you wrote that letter. Did, did we send out any more letters? Or are we going to... And we can have other people do this, too. Okay. I cannot tell you what an impact those sunglasses were. We took over as many as we could, which was 450. We still have two bags of 25 left. And... People, one particular day, a text went out to the village, and they have cell phones over there, and a text went out to the village, they have sunglasses, and hardly anybody wears sunglasses unless they have had eye surgery. And what happened was, at the end of the day, Eric was being a policeman at this time, there was a section just for the eyeglasses that just blossomed. It turned into, but at the end of the day, how many, 30 people, 20, 30 people? They just showed up for that, and it's like... Okay, you know, and so we had to kick into high gear in 116 degree weather inside of this tin hut that was there. It's just dripping and, and we saw these people. All of them got eyeglasses. Uh, not a one of them went away that didn't want them. Uh, there were a couple of people, little cantankerous old men that they didn't have them when they went away. But people were coming just for the sunglasses and we were able to show them. Matter of fact, I can probably do this right here. Let me check. Ah, yes. I would walk up to them, and to an interpreter, I'd say, you have pterygium. And, of course, to tell them they have pterygium, they, what's that? And I'd say, this is pterygium. This is what you have. And you want to make sure you wear your sunglasses. And then I would do this. I would say, you have cataracts. This is a good eye, and this is a bad eye. And if you don't continue to wear your sunglasses whenever you go outside, this is going to get worse, and you're going to go blind. And then I would show them other things like on the pterygium. If you didn't wear the sunglasses, this pterygium will grow over your pupil, and it will cause you to go blind. And so everybody was putting them on. Then I'd have them put on the glasses, and once they put on the glasses, I would go like this, like that. And then I'd tell the interpreter to say, they look like they're from Hollywood. <laughs> and the people, they, oh, they would laugh, you know. And, and they know some of the stars that are over here. Like if a young woman put on the sunglasses, I would go, tell her she looks like Kim Kardashian. And, and she would, oh, she'd blush, you know, and put her head down. And, and so it was all a lot of fun to do that. And it kind of lifted their spirits, you know, a little bit uh, to be able to participate in that. So we had the 500 sunglasses that were donated from four imprints. And 
This time, just to let you know, if you guys know of anyone that can get a hold of chewable children's vitamins, not the gel type, they have a tendency to melt, but like the Flintstone type, we took over a suitcase and a half of those, and a lot of them melted over there. But if we can get a hold of some of those, it would just be great. Jars and jars of them, we could take them over. It'd be wonderful. And also the sunglasses, you guys can be in charge, and I'll talk about this a little more, of ordering those, just writing a letter and saying, hey, can you guys donate this for us? And sometimes they will. Uh, we also donated $300 worth of eyeglasses for the next trip. That is all set up. And <clears throat> you might say, well, is that it? Did you do anything else? You had the scripture reading this morning of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And it talks about the body of Christ and how each part is crucial. If you looked at me and what I was doing, all I was doing was taking a pair of glasses and putting them on their head and saying, Chaba'a. And they would say, bah, like that. And oh, you guys know what that means, right? And so we would do all of that. And they would say, yes, they're clear. It is all good. Or I'd take them off. And they would say, no, those are no good. And they would shake their head a little bit. And then I'd put another pair on, a stronger pair on. And say, um, la'ad, oh, what's the, forget it. I, I'm not even going to go there. La'adjiel or something like that. And, and it would be, is it clearer? And so we got to learn these little phrases to help out. Eric, count for me okay we can go to a hundred how do you ask me my age ayupama ajung is thank you uh, there's a lot of little phrases that we want to learn, and it makes it go a little bit easier if we learn these. So each one of us had a particular part. Eric was just taking temperature and sticking the, the temperature gauge in the ear and taking the heart and the uh, blood pressure. He's doing that. But every single person had their own part, and not one person stood out as being more important than the other. Uh, Pastor Hung, who gave the gospel, he wouldn't have had so many people had we not brought the medical. And with the medical, all the different stations, every person had their own particular task. So nobody gets any of the glory. It's all great. There were 16 to 18 people that were there. And with that, <coughs> we were able to meet the needs. Now, I'm not going to be able to go into all of this that I have written down here. And what I want to do is we're going to show a, a small video. And once that video is being played, and in the video, what you're going to see is some of the clinics. You're going to see some of the dentistry set up. You're going to see the glasses station. I think we have the um, medical, the drugs station. That's what Nate did last time. He was a drug dealer. And uh, he handed those out. And you'll see Pastor Drew sitting down playing a guitar in the midst of that because everything is calm. And he was the policeman over there and you'll see the people receiving the gospel so it just covers our trip more or less and if you guys could close those doors afterwards after this is finished I'm going to have Eric come up and we're going to have a couple of seats up here and he's going to say a few things and we're going to allow you guys to ask questions so if you could roll that that would be great There's so much to say. Each one of those pictures has a story uh, behind it 
the end of the tree that you saw, we had mentioned that tree before we actually went to the killing fields. That's what that place was. And it's where they used to take children. Uh, they would grab them by the leg and they'd throw, sling them around and hit their skull on the tree to kill them. And right next to that was a place where they would throw the body afterwards. And that one particular grave had babies and mothers in it. That's who they killed there. But anyhow, you want to talk a little bit about that place first? Yeah. Uh, I guess it was sobering more than anything because you walk through there and it's more like a park now. It's got grass everywhere in a lot of places, but all the depressions you see in the ground are the mass graves of 20,000 people who were brutally murdered there of the 3 million that were killed under Pol Pot's regime. And so it's you walk through it, and I posted a lot of pictures on Facebook about it and how I was trying to educate people that if we don't know what happened in the past, if we're denying it like a lot of people do, then those things happen again. There's the same things that happened in that country start to bubble up in this country. And that whole darkness was over that country for years, even before Pol Pot was there. And it just kind of culminated in that violence and that barbarism and if we don't recognize that then the same thing can happen here uh, also, but it was very sobering one other thing last time we went to Tulslang and Tulslang was a place where they actually tortured the people and you guys will be going uh, you've been there already uh, he'll probably have you headed up uh, going over there but after Tulslang they would take him to one of 300 sites like the one you just saw and they would kill them within 24 hours, is what they would do. And they wouldn't kill them with a gun. They would kill them with hose and knives and clubs and... Palm branches. Palm branches. They would... Go ahead, tell them about the palm branch. They would... After the palm branch was cut off, they would take the... Was it the, the stem. The stem of the palm frond, which has razors on it, and they would use that to slit their throat and throw them into the pit, and they were not always dead after they did that. They would throw a lie on them after that. And, and who was it they killed? Basically, originally it was political dissenters, and then it became anybody who spoke negatively against it. A lot of times they killed the children and the old people because they had a phrase that I'm going to probably destroy, but it was, when you cut the grass, you pull it up by the roots, which is basically their way of saying, we're going to kill them all because we can't afford anybody to take revenge on us. So they would wipe out entire families. Yeah, they took the, the people in the villages that we are going to visit and they put them in charge of the killings and gave them a job, regular paycheck, food, and they were all about that. And they would kill if you had glasses. If you wore glasses, they would kill you. If you spoke another language, they would kill you. If you were a teacher or you were a leader, they would kill you. They basically destroyed the prosperity of, uh, prosperity of the country by doing that. And that's why it's taking so long for the people to come back up uh, as far as having commerce and being able to understand and go to school. All the kids, we went to three schools and that was new. And hopefully uh, these schools will be open to us again. Now, Eric, um, you had a question. We went to the one dinner. You saw that yellow kind of room that we were in. It had an actual air conditioner in it. It was nice. They put us in there to eat our final group meal together. And coming back from um, Persaunt, 
But when we sat there, Drew made each one of the people go around and say, so what did you learn from this and how did it affect you? Everybody ended up speaking except Eric. So Eric is going to give you his description that he should have given you then. Yeah, I didn't get out of it after all. Um, but I guess really is my impressions and the whole effect of the trip was on our, well, I'll give you an example. On our way up to Passat province, we were driving in the van. A lot of the roads are still being built or redone because they're pothole filled, they're muddy because it's always raining. And we were going down this one road and there was this guy on a moto towing his little trailer hitch with some sort of product on it. I don't remember what it was, but he was stuck in the mud. Now, in my probably lazy American thinking, I thought, oh, that's a bummer. I wonder how he's going to get out of that. Not thinking I should get out and help push, but Pastor Hung said, get out and help him. I went, oh, okay. So I got out, stepped in the mud, and helped push his moto out, and he went down the road. I got back in. Pastor Hung, quickly, because he has them always ready, grabs his track and Kamai, says, roll down the window and hand it to him as we drive by. So we're driving by. I'm reaching out the window across the road to hand this guy a track. And they're always ready. He's always ready. Uh, his son's always ready. Everybody we met there that were on the trip, they said, oh, anybody have a track? Oh, yeah, I got one right here. And I was like, I don't even do that here. I'm not even that prepared here. And so the fact that he's always ready to give an answer, even if it's just an answer of kindness and here's a track, this is why I'm kind, this is the love of Jesus Christ, this is why I do what I do. It was that preparedness that I was ashamed to say that I'm not here all the time. Uh, I'm not ready. But they're always ready to do that, always ready to witness. And it's easy to get busy and hurried here because I'll do the same thing on the freeway. Oh, I hope that guy makes it okay. I hope he has triple A. Uh, but, uh, it made me think that I should slow down and do more of that here. Um, just like the trip last year, I guess the idol worship and the, uh, the little Buddhas and the Shivas they have around to bless their schools. Every school we went in had this uh, idol. She had her hands like this, and a lot of times it was food or bread or some sort of cake in it. Same thing with every shop. They had some sort of offering at the beginning of each day with incense that they would offer. But the villages we went into and the schools we went into, after they accepted, you went, okay, that's God bringing the light to the darkness. And we were a part of that. We were privileged enough to be a part of that. And honestly, I was just happy to have my small part. I don't want a big part. I don't want to be pastor hung necessarily. I can't, and I can't be. I don't speak Kamai. Yeah, yet, yeah. But uh, just to have my part and to, all I could do with some of the people is smile and say, you know, I'm going to stick this in your ear. But that was my part to play, and it was my part to help them get better and to hear the gospel. Uh, and I guess that's, I mean, there's so much more. I, every time, both times I've gone, I just the ingenuity and the things that they do to survive. It's impressive. I, everything. And again, you can look at my Facebook. I type notes on there. Uh, just my impressions. Throw out all the different things that we did.
but there was so much. Yeah, I'd recommend that you get on Eric's Facebook, my Facebook, and anybody that went with us because a lot of people posted pictures and videos. Like you, did you guys see the picture of uh, or the video of the rats? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and what Eric stepped on uh, in the middle of the night, uh, getting up to use the bathroom. That was the that, two-inch cockroach. That, that was another one, but yeah, there's the cockroaches over there. You could use them as cattle to pull your trailer with, you know. They, uh, but anyhow, it, there are bugs, there are animals. There, it's hot. You saw the spider on the wall that was in the bathroom. You saw the bathroom. The bathroom isn't like our bathroom, and uh, toilet paper is at a premium. Uh, so if you want toilet paper, you have to bring it. Otherwise, you got water, and you have a left hand. And, that, <laughs> and that's the way it works. So, I, you know, I don't want to dumb down the experience over there. And there's ways to prepare for some of this stuff. And since we've done it a few times, I've been there three, he's been there two. Uh, Dustin has been there one time and Nate's been over there once. So there's kind of a feel for how to do it and getting used to it. But also just a regular typical day, we would... First start with a devotion. And the devotion, what was the devotion time? Was it 6.30? 6.30. Some, one time it was at 5.30, right? It was, yeah, it was at 5.30 one day. <laughs> so we get up first thing in the morning. Everybody has a devotion to do, to give to everybody. And the subjects varied. One was on creation. I did mine on the grace of God. Eric did his on unity. And for the group that's going, we'll kind of help you with the devotions, what you'll need to have on that. But then breakfast was at 7, and at 7.30, we were out the door. We would drive for, what, an hour? Something Sometimes like two. Sometimes two hours to get to where we needed to go. And most of the time, it was on a dirt road. And we bottomed out once or twice, you know, and it's normally raining. We wouldn't be able to pass over some of these areas that we were going in if the rain was coming down. Uh, when we get the rain here, they don't. And so they're in a severe drought uh, as we speak. Then um, the conditions at the site, <clears throat> the, where you saw the school kids standing at the little statues of the other kids, it was 105, 106 that day. And that had a better ceiling in it the other day that had the, like the blue tile. And where you saw wind. Did you see wind with the hair? You know, he was sitting there. He was my interpreter. He was a really funny guy, uh, but the Lord had his number. We came back to a church close to the one he was at like a year or so before. He happened to show up to this one. He became an interpreter. Come to find out he wasn't even saved, and his mom goes to church all the time. We gave him the gospel, and the Lord had his number. He got saved. Dr. Uh, Damaris said, you know, I really feel I need to talk to him about this. And so, you know, it's just serendipity. You know, you are at the right place at the right time, and God worked all that out. Another uh, thing with this, Drew didn't really plan for the right amount of eyeglasses to be there, and so I was running out, if you know anything about reading glasses, of 1.0s and 1.75s. People were just sucking those up left and right, and I'm going, you know, we're out. Uh, we can't have any more of these glasses. Well, where we went to the next two times, nobody needed 1s or 1.75s. had just exactly what we needed for the particular trip. And the 450 glasses, I gave away the last pair with the last patient when we left. Actually, and I had one more pair 
inside of my little satchel that I was carrying. And Dr. Damaris came up to me and said, what, you didn't save one for me? And I said, just so happens I did. And I pulled it out and I was able to give it to her. So exactly the number of sunglasses that was necessary. We had exactly the number of uh, drugs. We were starting to run out of some drugs. And nobody needed them after that. The Lord had just planned everything to a T on that. Now, um, let's see. Do you have anything else to add? I'm sure you do. You had a whole trip, you know. There was so much happening there. Just when you cross the road, it's like playing human frogger. It is (laughs) a great deal of fun. Fun, uh, yeah. I thought it was very enjoyable running across the road in traffic. Uh, oh, with that, every time I've been there, somebody that we know there has had an injury, a uh, tuk-tuk or a moto injury. You know, this time it was Randy Fleming. Mm-hmm. You see his foot, it was all bandaged up. It may be in one of the pictures, but he had a moto accident, and everybody has a moto accident. And Stephen Sutton... Uh, he is the one expat or expatriate. He is from the United States. He moved over there. He married somebody over there. And uh, he's in like Flint. He learned the language in like six months. Uh, but he had a couple of accidents he was describing to me. And everybody has them. But go ahead. Uh, the traffic laws, when we were coming back from one of the villages, they talk on their cell phone. And there was this... Sand- on the moto. On the moto. With four kids. Yeah. With Sometimes, Yeah. <laughs> It was a lot. But this one truck hauling sand, it was huge, and one of the roads we're on was like this. Well, the guy was on his cell phone, and the road's bumpy, and he's bumping up, and all of a sudden this truck that weighs tons and tons tips on its side like this, and it goes right back down right in front of us. And then the pastor goes, oh, we better get around him. So he goes, speeds around him on the rough road, even though he's still bumping up and down. And we cross by. We can see the guy's just on his cell phone, driving sideways, not thinking anything about it. It was such a fun adventure. They don't do anything like we do over here. Uh, The driving, if you haven't driven over there, not specifically you driving, but... uh, I don't think I could drive over there. My, the first trip I had over there, my knuckles were white. I didn't have a seat belt in the, his forerunner that he had. And now he has the vans and there are seat belts there. But I just kind of look out the window. I don't even pay attention to what's going on. And they in play front chicken. Of like, oh, okay, yeah. who's going to turn first? <laughs> that's, what, that's how they do it. Yeah. So the people that are going, you have to be prepared for that. Um, but... Uh, there's always the possibility of the dengue fever and the Zika virus and the malaria. And Lord willing, the mosquito problem won't be that bad. And when I ask you to pray, I ask you guys to pray for our health, our safety, and fruit. All three of those things were answered. I mean, we, our health was great. There, there was one day where I had a headache and I just went to bed early. And there was one day where Susan, she wasn't feeling well, and she went in, she went to bed, she was up the next day, and she was fine. Last time, Dr. Joan was out for a complete day, Drew was out for a complete day, I had a nasty cough and almost was out one of the days, Uh, but this time, we didn't have any of that. And as far as anybody, you go to a place like that, you can end up having some bathroom issues, uh, to put it lightly. 
And nobody really had any issues, any severe issues at all. And so the Lord, he definitely cut the path and he prepared the way. And it's always in hindsight, you look back and you go, wow. And we're going to have to close this up. But to let you guys know, one of our devotions, actually it wasn't a devotion, it was an evening study tied with one of the devotions. And it was Ephesians chapter 1. And if you read Ephesians chapter 1 going through it, it starts with everything that God has done for us, how he has chosen us, how he has predestined us, how he has called us into, and placed us in the heavenly realms. And it just declares everything God has done for us. And one of the laments that you will find even with Pastor Hung over there, he says that, you know, people call themselves Christians, but they don't do anything. That was what he said when he went to the airport. Uh, and, he, you know, that guy, he's a firecracker, and he is sold out for the Lord like nobody else in his entire family is. And he is an inspiration for me in this country. And hopefully, if you walk away with the understanding of what God has done for you or what he's done for me, we have no excuse but to reach out and do this. Once you fathom, once you grab hold, once you apprehend of what God has truly done for us, then how can we just sit idly by? Uh, now, the next group that's going, they still have a few needs. Some of the costs have gone up. If you feel like you want to give to that, we don't receive an offering here. We just have the agape box in the back. If you want to drop something in there, just say it's for Cambodia. Uh, and it will cover that. There may be a, another chance coming up in December. I don't know if we're going in December. If, you know, uh, we're able to do it, if God orders it, well, we might just go uh, again. But it, Drew goes four times a year. And if we could go three times a year and we could put together different groups, and if you're interested in that, it's not for everybody. Uh, if you're given to complaining, please don't even sign up. Uh, it's, it's not one of those things because it is hard. It is a hard trip. But when you see the fruit, it's like, ah, light and momentary suffering is all it is. And so do you guys have any questions? We have a couple of minutes left. Really? six villages that we went to <coughs> there was a pastor who accompanied us to three of them and another pastor named pastor lee accompanied accompanied us to the uh villages four five and six they are in charge of going through and continuing the discipleship also when we went to the orphanage and the water of life there's pastors there and their ministry is to go out into the villages and continue the discipleship work so our part was to go in and evangelize and give them the medical and get them saved, and then their part is discipleship. And so there are people. What you can do is I have the names of the villages uh, on my Facebook as well. Write down those names, pray for the villages and the discipleship and the pastors to follow up because that's what do I'm going to be doing. They do. Yeah, they have Kamai Bibles. They just need, I mean, there's always a need there. There's there's nothing in that country that is not needed. They are very much third world. Even their biggest city is not a very good city.
Yeah, the, the trash is everywhere. Um, you go along the side of the road. People don't have uh, dump truck service except in the city, and those businesses pay for that. But right outside the city, it just litters everywhere. Uh, we do a great job here, and I've landed in Singapore before, uh, Cambodia, a lot of those countries over there. That's where we get the Pacific trash pile. Uh, that's where it's coming from. And so um, I don't want to get into the politics of all of that, but it, it is just a horrible existence. And by the way, for those of you who are going, uh, when we are on the motos, when we went on motos uh, with Pastor Ren and Dara, and uh, we went to the killing fields that way, I kept tracks in my pocket. And as the traffic would slow, you're right next to the trucks. And this one guy was right there. And uh, he's looking at me, and I'm looking at him, and I pull out a track, and I give it to him. And they are so open. They'll, they'll take anything from you. And he got this track, so he's getting the gospel. So we started doing that just everywhere we go. We pass them out. Pastor Drew passes them out to the uh, stewards and stewardesses on the airlines. And in the airport, he goes up to the desk, and he passes them out. And so we're just passing out tracks all the time. And uh, we'll ask him to make sure that he has some. And we can do that here. We have some uh, tentative plans in the future to do stuff with the skate park. But uh, we'll get into that later. So let's go ahead and uh, if the worship team can come up, we'll close out in a song and end the service.